Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Unicron Trilogy podcast. I'm Rob, and our worlds are in danger. I'm Jen. Roll call. Alex. David. And the rest. <laughs> Here on Gilligan's planet. Oh, oh, oh. That was an actual thing. Dead cartoons, yes. And I think with all of the original cast, except for, I think, either Ginger or Marianne, one of them wouldn't do it. Aw, why not? (laughs) And yes, as you may have guessed, we have moved on to the third and final part of the Unicron trilogy, Transformers Cybertron. Uh, This one came in the wake of... uh, Energon's uh, somewhat unsatisfying cartoon. Yeah. That's, thankfully, uh, that's a way to put se- it. Thankfully, this one seems to have been translated with a little more care and attention than putting the script through an automatic translator and then hurriedly flinging it at voice actors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there was there was actually a bit of lead time between the Japanese airing because... I think pretty much all of the Japanese version had been, like, fan-subbed and put online before the American one even started. I don't know if it was all of it, but it was definitely airing, like, weeks, if not months ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unlike Armada, which was, like, way, way too close. Sometimes airing in the U.S. before in Japan. Yeah. So they actually gave it some lead time. Yes. And the animation is maybe a little better. Um, yeah, it's a step up from Energon. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a baby step, but it's a step nonetheless. Uh, this is the produced robots, by... I was going to say the robots definitely, the CG robots actually look a bit more ready for prime time. They have more yeah. facial expressions, and they're not doing the pseudo-cell shading they were doing before. So yes. it looks yes. more rendered. Uh, sometimes the rendering looks too shiny and overdone, but the, the, they they move better, the... Walk cycles have a few more steps in them. They are less slidey when walking on the ground. Yes. And uh, this is uh, produced by Gonzo. Do our uh, anime aficionados know anything about them? Yeah, I've seen a couple Gonzo things. I just nothing rolls off the tongue right now. I mentioned that Cybertron was announced. I know people were super excited because Gonzo was hot off of a few popular series. I think Chrono Crusade was one of them. Oh, the, but they yes, had a I didn't like they had that. a strong reputation at the time, and people were like, "Oh, we're going to get a really good series." No, they farmed it out to the B team, but <laughs> even their B uh, team is still a step up. The one that comes to mind, uh, and I think I mentioned it on a previous one, was uh, they did a series called Ganketsuo, which was a, a sort of sci-fi adaptation of Count of Monte Cristo. Also, <laughs> super gay. <laughs> <laughs> So gay. Uh, and it had a very interesting. They they did some very interesting animation with like patterns and stuff, and it's it, it's definitely a very visually interesting series, as well as being, you know, a sort of sci-fi adaptation of Count of Monte Cristo. They were one of the first studios doing anime in Japan that I think really embraced CG as a major element rather than as a novel element. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes to their own detriment. And looking at the list of anime that's on the wiki, most of them I don't actually like. Chrono Crusade, <laughs> I didn't like. Last Ox- Exile, I hate. I don't remember which Full Metal Panic they did, because there's like three or four different series all by, done by different people. Helsing, not the good Helsing, the first anime adaptation. Bas- oh, Basilisk was really good. I love that. Ninjas fighting each other and dying by... Every episode is a new dead ninja you like. Oh, and Blue Sub Number 6, which was the weird thing that had a shark dog. Man. Shark dog. I remember oh, that. that was much like the, the cat. <laughs> yeah. I remember that being on, like, Adult Slim or Toonami or whatever yeah. at some point. Uh, I'm not familiar with it unless the Beatles are in it. No. So it's not the sequel to that, huh? No. Okay, then. I want to say that was Toonami Midnight Run, but only because maybe I want to remember the existence of Toonami Midnight Run pre-Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. considering one of the characters is a naked half-fish woman, yes. No, it's, it was the point when they were sort of just sort of 
shoveling whatever anime they could get the rights to. Unlike, uh, what was it, Blue Gender and <laughs> Wolf's Rain. Oh. You know, the one where... Oh, God, <laughs> Wolf's Rain. Uh, my high school anime club watched subtitled Wolf's Rain and <laughs> one line became a meme for us. <laughs> Ho, your potatoes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I, I remember that being on back in those days. Let's get back to Cybertron before we go down a weird anime road about me complaining about shows. We're like, going to be talking about anime plenty, so... Yes. Uh, but we'll start off, okay, so the central conceit of this series is that a giant black hole created by the destruction of Unicron is threatening Cybertron. And so to uh, power up Cybertron, which is actually the Transformers god Primus. Yay! Uh, the Autobots must find the four cyber planet keys to unlock the Omega Lock and... Uh, those four keys are on four Transformers colony worlds. Uh, Earth, which is Earth, where, you know, we keep all our stuff. <laughs> uh, Velocitron, which is the planet of racing. In theory. Yes, they're really boring racing. Um, there's Jungle Planet, which is the planet of beasts. And, and there's Gigantion, which we don't get to yet at this point in the series, but which is the planet of giant Transformers, all of whom are Scottish. All three of whom are Scottish. <laughs> yes. It's the planet of, of high price point toys. <laughs> yes. Basically. That's, uh, that, yes. I, I will say that, uh, you know, as I've, I've talked before about the early fandom having this, comic versus cartoon dichotomy thing going on and uh the comic people were very excited about Primus being in this and you know getting a giant toy. And he got his own toy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool toy. Mm. A lot of people, you know, the fact that he transforms, they were kind of like, but the point was that he made the Transformers because he was <laughs> just stuck in the planet. If he can transform that defeats the purpose that ruins the point of having made the Transformers, but that's that's we'll we'll let it go. That was the only way we were ever going to get a Cybertron toy, so just leave him in alt mode all the time. And he looks somewhat like Hot Rod, but not as much as I would like. <laughs> Have a redeco one that looks more like Hot Rod. I love that he actually has like various geographic features and identifiable things. Oh in yeah, that's the mode. best part. The named cities we've gotten to that point are actually on him. Mm -hmm. All right, so our, our Autobot cast is trying to uh, find this, and it's got oh, a bunch of uh, leftovers. Two points I want to make first. Okay. First point, the connection to Unicron is completely missing in the Japanese version. Yes. Oh. Second point, we get a theme song here, and while it is definitely a step up from uh, what we got with Energon and especially Robots in Disguise... And while it was created by a well-known uh, electronic music artist, a uh, trance DJ, Paul oh. Oakenfold. Yes. It has not aged well. <laughs> it really has not. No. It's just some guy going, Transformers, yo! <laughs> Our worlds are in danger. To save them and the galaxy, we must find the four cyber planet keys before the Decepticons can use them for evil. It is our mission. Hotshot, Jetfire, Vector Prime, Landmine, Scattershot, Optimus Prime, Transform and Rollout. I do like the, uh, the the enthusiastic Optimus Prime intro. Uh, yeah, Gary like Shock is uh, selling this. <laughs> yes, and it, and it's him. Unlike uh, I mentioned with Energon, it was just David Kay doing, you know, his not Megatron voice, mm -hmm. doing his narrator voice. Uh, but yes, and this is it's Optimus Prime, and and they do a little roll call before they 
go into the <laughs> I think my my favorite part about it is just the the like spoken word part, the you know our you worlds know are in peril. No, the the part of the song. Oh. But that it's like that what is it Australian accent? <laughs> I think he's British. Okay, well maybe it's some some variety of British, but just that it's got this, you know, accent. Oh, the boss just really waged their battles. All I can do is Michael Caine. It's not Michael Caine. <laughs> Grave is Michael Caine. It just seemed very out of place. So yeah, uh, we've got a bunch of holdovers from the previous shows. We've got Optimus Prime, still voiced by Gary Chalk. Uh, Hotshot with a different voice actor. Uh, Jetfire, who is suddenly Australian. Yeah. Well, the thing is, with a, I think they maybe realized that a lot of the characters on Energon were totally indistinguishable from each other. Pretty much. Yeah, so that was they a problem. The, the tried and, tres- and tested uh, tactic used by, for instance, the Generation 1 cartoon, which is to just give everybody goofy accents. Yeah, like Rob Paulson being <laughs> being two of the aerial bots, one of whom sounds like Rob Paulson and the other sounds like Rob Paulson doing a Bronx accent. <laughs> they are my favorites we've uh, also got Red Alert who was not in Energon but is in this one and he is suddenly British sadly uh, he does not go woo 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 sadly no we've got uh, Scattershot who is a new character and is I guess from the south yeah he's sort of Texan uh, we've got Landmine, who is, uh, given that he's kind of an orange guy with a Brooklyn accent, I think he's just supposed to be the thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of his point. role. And I mean, we've got... I get, a, I get a real Rhinox vibe from the character design, which is probably also in being with, could function as the thing from the Fantastic Four. And in fact, they did later use that uh, toy as Rhinox uh, for one of the convention sets. Yep, but he's not voiced by Rhinox's voice actor. That would be another character on the show. Yes, that is Vector Prime, who is kind of a an ancient sage type character, voiced by yes, Richard Newman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was always struck why why he's Vector Prime and not and not just Alpha Trion because he's basically just Alpha Trion's character. I oh, I I'd like to make. Two two comments about Vector Prime's name. Uh, one being that uh, the one of the the OTFCC toys was going to be named Vector Prime. I think it was Sentinel Maximus. Oh. Uh, but Hasbro said no. Our neck. We we don't want to have like other primes. And then uh, in this series, they kind of started to and then shied away from, and I think in the Japanese dub actually did. Yeah, they're all convoys. Every yeah, planet's like leader was a prime. Mm-hmm. The the other point I have about that is, while I never asked him about this, I am assuming that, that Glenn actually got the name from a Star Wars novel, <laughs> which is named Vector Prime. Because oh, no. as someone who who has worked at used who at, even at that time I was working in a used bookstore, like hey, that's uh that's the name of Star Wars novel. <laughs> so so yeah, that that wouldn't be the first time that a toy a a name that had been part of a uh, convention toy proposal was then used by Hasbro, uh, but that's the one that was sort of the most glaring. Uh, but, like I said, again, it's also funny because it's, it's a Star Wars novel title. <laughs> anyway, they, they've also picked up people from the various planets they've been to. So they've got uh, the leader of Velocitron, who is Override, uh, who is a lady. In English. In English. Yeah. Because they were like, could we actually have some female characters this time? And the, the translators well, were like, well, all right. They asked that, and then they got one, and then they saw that one and said, okay, but could we have another one who isn't <laughs> that one? <laughs> who isn't terrible. Well, I think I think she actually shows up after Override. Yes, she does. Yeah. It's Override, uh, and, and the fun thing about uh, the, the whole Speed Planet arc is it feels really flirty between Hotshot and, and Override. Which is even better when you remember that Override was a guy in 
the original dub. Gay. Uh, they also brought along Snarl, who is a Scott McNeil wolf Yay, uh, Scott from McNeil. Jungle Planet, and Evac, who is a very boring helicopter guy from Earth. Yeah. And they're also like, opposed uh, at this point by the Decepticons. Uh, it's David Kay leading the uh, Decepticons again. Uh, once again, Michael Dobson as Starscream, uh, doing a Starscream thing. Uh, goofy Hick Thundercracker. And uh, Abbott and Goofy Cust- Velocitron I mean, Minions, yeah. Crumple Zone, and Ransack, oh, the- I like a lot. Oh, they're the best. They're seriously the best part of the whole show. They're, they're the bulk and they skull are. of this show. They are very much the bulk and skull. Unfortunately, they've all, they've also got the worst part of the show, which is uh, Thunderblast, who I think may be the first mass-market female Decepticon. Yes, she uh, is. Yeah. She yeah. Is, wait, is she even... She might be the first female Decepticon character? Like, in definitely in a cartoon, I think. Uh, well, I guess there was that um, Transformers Universe uh, Black Arachnia, which I think might have well, predated her. This Predacon's different. She was sold as a Decepticon. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so Thunderblast is a trailblazer. Unfortunately, she is also terrible. every terrible female bad guy oh, stereotype. It, it's, I, the, 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 there's a core concept in there that's not entirely horrible. The she doesn't want to be the one in charge. She wants to be next to the guy in charge. You know, a flip of the Starscream thing. Like, Starscream, the Starscream character always wants to be next to the boss so they can take him out and become boss. She doesn't want to. She wants to be the guy next to the one everybody's shooting at. Unfortunately, she's this weird, flirty, strange, dumb bimbo that it... The her transformation stock, her stock transformation animation has hearts. Yeah. Her, does the toy have this, or is it just the character model on the show? But she has exposed under boob. The no, toy does not, not toy. have that. No. Nor does it have the nipples that were occasionally animated in there no. as well. <laughs> no, no. She just has the the her. Pronounced chest that's short of shape like a matrix. There's no visible underboot there. No. She's a boat, and I do like boats, but she's pretty terrible. No, this, I, I kind of like that. She yeah. is a female robot action figure with a boat strapped to her back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She, well, she's yeah. very much like some of the um, the Beast Wars 2 toys, where it's very shell former. Yeah, just, just fold her up like she's in a coffin. <laughs> Yeah, she's and and uh I have to say that the point where I realized that my collecting had gotten out of hand was when I realized I, I remembered that I had the variant of her that came with a DVD set that was colored like Minerva from Master Force. I was like, I have a toy that I don't like of a character who I don't like redecoed as another character I don't like. <laughs> My collecting has got out of hand. Let's sell some things. I mean, I, I, I will give the character one redeeming trait, and that is something I will love in any Transformer that has it, and that is a gun that is the size of their entire body. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I will say that I'm kind of vaguely tempted to like go through some more of it again and see if it's one of those things like Black Rachnia where I feel different about her, like, on a older viewing, but I don't know. Probably not. you have to rewatch all Cybertron to do that. Yeah, that's a lot of Cybertron. Yeah, yeah. I'm not willing to to do that to test how much of that was potential internalized misogyny and how much was just actually being that bad. You have to imply a lot to make her not be this stupid character. Uh. And they've also got the uh, uh, leader of the beast planet, or sorry, the jungle planet, uh, Scourge, who is a three-headed dragon guy. Yay. Yes, all of... All of the planetary leaders were something or other convoy in yes. the Japanese version. 
Which is funny because as we've mentioned, convoy is just a bunch of trucks. Yes, it's weird for a dragon to be named something convoy. Flame a convoy. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's a convoy of fire. Yeah. Anyway, and, and of course we've also got a bunch of tag-along kids. Uh, in this case, we've got Kobe Hansen, his uh, younger brother Bud, and their allegedly Hispanic friend Lori, who is a uh, bossy girl anime character. Wait, her last name is Jimenez? What? Yes. She, but, like, her, her character design is, like, the most anime girl Japanese character. She actually looks a good bit like Misha from... Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the wiki, her her dad is named Ernesto and looks like Hispanic Woody Allen. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna assume she's adopted. So, so when uh, so one of the mini cons this time can talk, and uh, when when he addressed Bud, like you know, at the end of the sentence saying Bud, I it took me a moment to remember. Oh, right, that's his name, and the mini con isn't just being like Bud, you know. <laughs> Bro. Hey, bro. Uh, unfortunately, it's assimilated uh, the personality from that uh, DVD of Encino Man we let it watch. <laughs> no. No. I'm surprised they didn't try to name the minicons this time the same as the minicons from the last two series. Yeah, I mean, I get. Although one of them has a recycled name, it's Jolt, and it's a helicopter, and I don't think it's supposed to be the same guy. Although maybe it is. Uh, what does the, what does the wiki say? The wiki says, no, different guy. Oh, I guess we know they're not the same guy because they're, they're from, uh, Gigantion, as it turns out. Minicons from the giant planet. Well, actually, that was, that was the whole deal with the giant planet guys. They all had minicons who were like, supposed to be oh, super right. tiny compared yeah. to, they all looked like partners, yeah. They were, they were the ones that carried over the minicon team. Because yes. they needed them because they were so big. They were like, uh-huh. the Minicons were like their maintenance tenders, whatever. Yes. Alright, so yeah, let's start off with Titans. Sadly, there will be no Titans returning this time. <laughs> Alas. Although there will be something that harkens back to Combiner Wars. This is true. Mm-hmm. So yes, we open way down below the ocean. Where I want to be, she may be. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. They, however, they are on Atlantis. Yes, in space. That's the name of the ship. Yes, there were four ancient spaceships, all with the names of uh, lost Earth cities. Oh, wait, what um, were they? There was Mu, Lemuria, Atlantis. Some of them had different names in uh, in America than in uh, oh, Japan. I think Atlantis was the same. Uh, this one was Ogaija. Okay, what? That's the one that was originally called Mu. Oh, Ogaija. Oh, wait, there's, what is the, there's a Japanese mythical undersea city, I forget the name of that one. Uh, it's, oh, it's mentioned in Homer's Odyssey as the home of the nymph Calypso. I'm probably pronouncing Ooh. that terribly. Oh. There's, a, uh, there's Hyperborea, which is known as Lemuria in Japan. <laughs> And there is Lemuria, which is known as Pangea in Japan. Oh. oh. That's not confusing. Hey. <laughs> and apparently they changed the name of Moo because they thought nobody would take it seriously. Well, that, that one is quite That's honest. Reasonable. I mean, we all remember that, uh, wasn't that the name of the big bad guy from that uh, show Monster Rancher? Yes, it was. Master Moo. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they are... Uh, Currently, uh, Bud and the Minicons are trapped on this uh, Atlantis spaceship. And they're leaving croutons for the <laughs> other Autobots to try to follow them with. Yeah, they're, they're carving Autobot symbols. Into Somehow they have giant steel cubes just laying around. Yeah, you know, like you'd normally do on a spaceship. They were, it was actually a catering ship. They were on their way to uh, see the Mechanibals. <laughs> So yeah, the Autobots are chasing after this, and so is a ship containing both Starscream and Sideways, who I forgot to mention, but much like in uh, Armada is an agent of Unicron, he's just what? much goofier this time. Wait, no, no, Starscream and, and Sideways are in Atlantis. Aren't they oh, the, oh, they're on the same ship? Yeah, oh, okay. they're the ones steering it. 
It's oh, it, okay. Yes, jumping yeah. in that you might miss that a few points yes. in the story. Okay. And in Japan, this sideways was named Noise Maze. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a thing. Well, it yeah. is now. <laughs> that that is well, a name true. that someone else has made good use of. Yeah, so the the Thanks, Nick Roche. So the Autobots are on Cybertron. They are trying to power. They've only got three of the Cyberplanet keys, but they're trying to stabilize the black hole. So they've got time to get the fourth key from Gigantion once they figure out where it is. And Optimus tries to overcome the missing key by blasting it with the Matrix. Sure. I mean, the Matrix kind of just does everything, so it's worth a shot. It's it's a thing. It's you know, it makes the magic things happen. Yeah, it, and notice. Notable is that they, they've transformed Cybertron into Primus, his robot mode, so he's just this giant... Yeah, he's giant, just kind of hanging out like it's no big thing. Yeah, giant inanimate <laughs> god, like, standing in front of a black hole, not doing anything. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of this show that feels like, this should be cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could have used some more exciting directing. Yes. And also maybe some more dynamic character models that aren't just exactly the toys. See, yeah. they don't feel as much reliant on the toys as they did in Energon, because in Energon they're really stiff. Yeah. So there's I mean, a little bit more, but yeah, they could be a little more stylized. Why is it that it seems like Kobe and Lori are doing the majority of the work trying to repair Primus? <laughs> Yeah, I, as I as I recall, they have the kids tagging along because only they only they can hear the sound produced by the Omega lock or something. Yeah, there's some sure. excuse like that. And w- since we're not on Earth anymore, we've missed the other two human characters, which are uh, Doctor Lucy Suzuki, who has <laughs> crazy theories about the Earth being hollow, <laughs> and oh. Agent Franklin, who is. Uh, for one, an actual black person in a, uh, in the anime, which is impressive. Yeah. And he's kind of fake Fox Mulder. <laughs> so much so that he's actually introduced with a knockoff version of the X-Files theme in the background music. Oh. <laughs> also, sadly, two of the best, uh, are they unaffiliated or are they Autobots? Uh, which guys? Oh, the Signal Lancer and, what is it, Vespa? Yeah, that's Oh, and there's also uh, Lugnuts, who is a beatnik Decepticon, which I... Oh. Yeah, I forget whether the other Transformers hiding on Earth are, you know, non-aligned under the protection of the Autobots, or whether they're actually Autobots. I think they were all actually Autobots. Okay. There are not a signal lot of Decepticons lancer. I, I'm signal lancer still toy. gutted we never got a Signal Lancer toy. Yeah. Someday. So anyway, the Autobots have sent uh, Jetfire and Wingsaber, who I totally forgot to mention, but is a guy who turns into a jet and combines with Prime. Yeah, he's kind of really... He has the name of a guy from Energon who is just another Optimus Prime power-up. It might actually be the same guy. I'm pretty sure they're the same guy. He has lines now, but he he really doesn't have a personality. No. Other than shoot stuff. Neat toy. And Jetfire has the personality of Australian. Actually, maybe it's New Zealand. It's the accent Scott McNeil went with is not standard Australian. It's well, it's not Scott McNeil anymore. Oh, it's oh, it's not. Who is it? What? It's, um, yeah, I was wondering that. Although I think it's Brian. It's uh, Jetstorm. Oh, Brian Drummond! Yay! Yes. Yep. Which is weird because I'm, isn't Scott McNeil from Australia or something? He, he was born in Australia, but he grew up in Canada or something like. Like he's okay, so he, he's a little bit actually Australian. He's just didn't spend a lot of time there. So he, he wouldn't actually have the accent. <laughs> no. I think in uh, in his tech spec or something they mentioned that he uh, actually went to Nebulos between oh, yeah. Energon we... and Cybertron, and that's where he got the accent. <laughs> that's so... where we got the fact that Nebulos have Australian accents, which retroactively makes yeah, that so, many. So all those Marvel Headmasters comics just think. Everybody there just uh, talking like this. Yeah. <laughs> just just imagine it that way. Just read it that way. And then the one of the, the is the line I just flew here from Earth and blared my wings tired. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Jetfire 
Jeff Fire just cranks out the Australianisms, and the last one in the scene is like, Bob's your uncle, which yeah. is a f- Australian phrase that will never make sense to me. It's just yeah. so out of left field. I mean, the way they depict flying here is not how flying in space works, but at least they're not driving, so I'll forgive it. <laughs> it's actually but planes even, doing it. It's better. I, I appreciate that even Thunderblast calls out, because she's apparently hiding behind a asteroid. I'm not sure she was hiding. On I think she was just, like, like sunning herself on an asteroid. She's just relaxing there. Possible. They just That's happen possible. to fly by after they say Bob's your uncle. It's like, what? Yeah, she she repeats that. She's like, Bob's your uncle? (laughs) So I I appreciate that other characters are like, what's wrong with you, Jetfire? (laughs) If not to his face, then, you know, at least it's there. So, yeah, so she tips off the Decepticons. They show up. Everybody fights. And then, but as they're doing so, uh, Sideways teleports this thing away. Not everybody fights. Ransack and Crumple Zone are on the ship, and they're like, but we could go out and fight. Nah. <laughs> they're yeah, they, so great. I love yeah, them. They, they were apparently trapped in on Leonis, and they're happy to see Megatron and everybody else. So they fly, well, drive. Oh, God, they do drive into space. But, yeah, they, they're like, hey, let's, let's look like we're fighting, but not actually fight. Yes. So did they, I forget, did they, did they switch sides at the end? Because they seem like the bad guys in the anime who switch sides the, at the end. Well, yes, and at the very end of the series, Megatron's I think dead they end and what affecting to like with they like steal a ship with Thunderblast. Yes. And they crash somewhere. Thunderblast starts the new Decepticon army with Ransack, Crumple Zone and Thundercracker, and they do <laughs> crash into a planet. So at the end, so at the end she's actually the leader of the Decepticons. Well, that's something. Very progressive. Yeah. It ends in a comedy beat, but still. It's like, I'm tired of all this bullshit. Done. Let's Done just with go it. away into space and, and not bother anybody with the morons. Yeah. So the, the Decepticons are left empty-handed, but they get to meet a new Decepticon, or a new, an, a mysterious new figure, and that is Soundwave, who is using the dollar store version of the... uh Generation one flanging effect. <laughs> yes. I, was, was he the, using a T pain mic or something? It it sounds horrible. Is wait, who's the, is it? Gary Chalk doing the voice? It's sometimes Gary Chalk, and it's sometimes uh, Robert O. Smith. Okay, because because huh. like you can recognize the voice behind all the flanging, but the flanging just sounds horrible. Robert O. Smith sounds like a fake name. <laughs> That's clearly the Alan Smithy of uh, of voice actors. I mean, he was uh, apparently uh, Sagat in that uh, Street Fighter cartoon. Oh, and, uh, I don't. Genma Sautomi in Ranma. Oh, Genma Sautomi in Ranma. Was... And Kajinbo in Inuyasha. And uh, he actually died a few years ago. Aww. I think he was uh, like a Vancouver DJ. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. Because what we don't see here, but Soundwave uh, is also given a personality quirk in that he has, like, the voice mannerisms of a... DJ. Like a DJ. Yeah. He's all like, they're just tripping because they got served. (laughs) It's it's the weirdest characterization of any Soundwave. Like, he's talking like a club kid or something. But he's still got uh, the Soundwave voice. Like, he's supposed to be cool... But it's cool from a like a very small window of time that I'm not sure actually existed. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we skipped over a spot where I I, oh, I do like Thunderblast in concept and it's a fun toy. But she has a line: "Dumb guys are cute," and then she blows a kiss at the Autobots. And a little heart. She yeah. she does actually do some damage in this episode. She does some fighting, so that's good. Yes. But yeah, she she's actually make hearts appear around her. It's. Uh, yeah, she does a lot of heartsing. <sighs> it's one, I mean, I guess in this translation, if you just go with the English version, at least she's not the only female character, so it's not yeah. like she's carrying the entire gender in her representation. Yeah, but that is definitely an improvement. Originally, in the Japanese version, yes, she was the only female character. That's all you get. <sighs> Also, when Soundwave shows up, he's just like, 
Hey, you want to know where Giant Planet is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he kind of shows up. You want to buy a vowel? Like he's a drug dealer. Hey, you guys want to hit? I know where the planet is. What? Well, that would oh, explain that the, whole, a... uh, the whole rave DJ thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's there's so many good, like, well, good, entertaining little moments. Like, when the ship warps away, Megatron just shakes his fist and shouts, Warp! <laughs> okay. No, you can't just do that. It's ridiculous. So yeah, back on Cybertron, they start. Uh, Prime starts using the Matrix to reactivate the Omega Lock, and that starts shooting a beam of energy into Primus. We also get a music cue that sounds oddly familiar. I want to say it's from Star Fox sixty four again, but I feel like I'm wrong about Ooh. that. Just that dun dun da 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 dun dun. There are. Quite a few video gamey things in here, like like there was one track that reminded me like RPG town music or something. Yeah. I'm not sure like what RPG, it was just like I, I sort of know that song, but I don't know why. So the Atlantis beams in and Starscream just cuts into this beam of power. Oh yeah, he feels it. He really feels it. He turns the ship around back to Cybertron and <laughs> then proceeds to make the uh, supervillain list mistake of consuming an energy field larger than his own head. But it works out for him because we get really, really big scream. Oh, well, it's just underbase. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just underbase all over again. Yeah, it's, he he goes underbase on Primus's spark. It's like, ooh, yummy. Listen, Starscream just wants to be big. He probably, uh, <laughs> big McLarge. regularly hits up fortune-telling machines, too. He emerges <laughs> from a pink cloud like in Combiner Wars, but instead of just being a screaming, disembodied head, <laughs> he actually has his entire body and is just giant, which is yes. way better. Yes. His, his body finally matches his ego. <laughs> and he also has that, uh, that crown he has from Transformers the movie. Yes, oh, he yes, wears that. So this good. Entire at, at this good. point in the series, he just is wearing it. Yeah, and oh, he's not. Toy like, has it at least yes. full size toy. Yes. Yeah, and when he's just regular size and he's not actually in charge of anything, it's just kind of sad. He's like Transformer Jughead. <laughs> yeah, because he's in charge of one guy who doesn't have a face. Who isn't he? He isn't really in charge of. So what what does Starscream do when he becomes as big as a god planet? Start attacking the god planet, including by trying to kick it. Yes. <laughs> as if he was a gunbuster. Also, once he's planet sized, he's like got this whole golden glowy aura thing going on, Bucca's anime. Yeah. He's glowing and crashing into things. It's time for that. Oh, and while the while he's just kicking at Primus's shield repeatedly. Primus is kind of shaking, and they're all doing the kind of Star Trek, we'll throw each other around the set to make it look like the set's shaking. <laughs> and the two human characters, Cody and Lori? Yes. Cody catches Lori, and she's just like, oh, thanks, I'm good now, you can let go. It's weird. I think those two become a thing by, like, the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, I think I, that's I think one of those things. Flash forward wedding or something. Comes a thing. Yeah. Although interestingly, the uh, the end of the show also has like a flash forward to uh adult uh Alexis Carlos Rad and Kicker. Um, oh, that's right. Which I think was added to the American version of the show. It must have been because there's no way that was in the original Japanese yeah. version. Cuz they're Yeah, cuz Armada and Energon in Japan are like connected series. Cybertron is not really. Yeah. It ish kind of. So they had to of. they had to Carl Masick it in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, they erect a shield. Starscream calls upon his cyber planet key to uh, fire his guns at Primus. Yeah, fire all his guns at once and break on through to the other side. Meanwhile, the Autobots are connecting giant coaxial cables to power Primus. Oh, the one yeah. Leo Breaker plugs in is. Clearly a microphone cable. Uh, I, knew, I knew one of them was the least familiar, but I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, we, 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 have, we have to record Primus's podcast. <laughs> it's very important. At least you're using high-quality XLR cables. Yes. I mean, Primus is ancient. 
So he's, he's, he's just using old stuff. Yeah, he's probably got vacuum tubes in there somewhere. <laughs> Get that nice retro yeah. sound going. Just a bunch of punch cards in there. Did I hear this right while well, this is going on? Starscream's still attacking the shield, and at one point yells, Are you too special to come out and fight? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he says. So did he just call the... God? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so God... So they plug in Primus, and he goes into gigantic ass-kicking mode. <laughs> yes. Using all of his... Unleashes some giant cannons. Toy features! Activate the toy features! Yes. Gotta sell that toy! Yes. Activate the toy features with the stock footage. Why does space have blue sky and clouds? <laughs> that is a good question, but because although... Because god powers? <laughs> yes, but his most impressive god power is something the toy can't do. Sadly, and no. So he, It's he starts, so awesome. Yeah, so he starts generating beams of energy, and he lassoes the two moons of Cybertron, and then converts them into moon chucks. <laughs> no, no, he's... It's like... Like, the, the kick that Starscream does, like, that's a thing that happens in some mecha anime, like, uh, Gunbuster and some other things. But the using the giant planets is, I feel, a very specific reference to Combatler V that has giant electric yo-yos and has, like, electromagnetism powers with the same white, pink energy fields it controls them with. So he's using giant Chodenji yo-yos from an anime from the 70s. Using mo- he's using moons as giant yo-yos to beat up Starscream in space. Oh, and, oh, and Starscream has, well, they're talking about, oh my god, he has moons, and I think Cody says, moon them, Primus, and something, and then Starscream <laughs> says something after that as the moons are hurtling towards his head to smack him into a planet, but oh, my brain was just saying, those are no moons, those are yo-yos. <laughs> what Starscream does say is Mama Oh that's I thought that's what he said I rewound it but I wasn't sure I'm Starscream pretty sure that's what he says Mama It sounds like Mama But I wasn't positive So he gets smacked around by the planets And the moons smack him into another planet So which Where did that is, planet come from? That is a good question I guess it's just like <laughs> another planet in the Cybertron system Presumably. Presumably, but we hadn't seen it before. Granted, we hadn't seen the moons there, but Cybertron usually has two moons anyway. So, that also, that made me think of an even older thing, the old, um, Lensman novels by E.E. E. <gasps> Doc Smith. Yes! Starscream gets nutcrackered, which in the <laughs> books is that they use inertia dampeners and giant force fields to move planets, and they take two planets and smash other planets between them, to destroy alien strongholds, which is called yes. the Nutcracker. Now, do they ever do that in any of the Lensman anime? I don't think so. I don't. No, they I... don't do it in the. They don't do it in the uh, the parts that got cobbled together for yeah. the movie that was like cause because because I movie... watched that not too long ago on VHS. I I think the books only deal with like the or the anime only deals with early stuff because that's the Boscone and the space gangsters before things get bigger and. Bigger and they ramp up and are smacking planets into each other. I yes. think because that's in like the Gray Lensman book, which is and then it gets ones. uncomfortably eugenicsy. Yeah, don't read the last one. It was a different time. So yeah, this planet has just exploded. Uh, Starscream loses all of his cosmic juice and becomes tiny again. And the noise maze or sideways is just like, well, I'm taking the ship. Bye. See ya. <laughs> yeah, which, at this Later. point, the way Starscream is left, it made me think, oh, he's the Vegeta of the series. He was this giant monster, not a monkey, and he got the shit kicked out of him, and now he's just drifting in space all on his own. And it's a shame he's not voiced by Dry- Brian Drummond, but he's here. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. It would have been good. I hate monkeys. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Atlantis is gone, uh... Bud and the Minicons with it, so Kobe is understandably not pleased with this. Yes. And the Autobots really don't know what to do with this. Fortunately, like, Vector oh. Prime runs in and announces, oh, here's the next advancement to the plot we found. Yeah. 
he comes in. <laughs> Great news, everyone, as if he's, um, oh, what's the guy from Future on Yeah, the... Professor Farnsworth. Yeah, Farnsworth. Good That's news, what... everyone. I, I wrote like that in my sa- notes. He so. says almost the exact same words that Farnsworth <laughs> does. So it's, oh, he's, he's the old guy, so yeah, he's Farnsworth. So they now know where they're going to the giant planet, and the last line of the episode is Bud. Yep. Which feels awkward. Uh, maybe, maybe they're, I don't know if we see their parents. I'm assuming, maybe he's, they're the, uh, son, maybe they're the sons of, uh, Alan Peg Bundy. <laughs> oh. No. 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 <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that is, uh, that is the end of the episode. And, you know, much like, uh, Energon, this is, uh, very episodic. Or not, or it is not episodic. No, Each episode very- is kind of the next part serialized. Which, in this case, kind of works. It, it's interesting. A lot of stuff's sort of going on. It's giant god fight, but yeah, yeah, it's like just the, a piece of a puzzle. feels like the plot cul-de-sac of, oh, we have these two toys at this size class, and it would be super cool to make them fight. So let's put the <laughs> plot on hold and have them do that. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know that the giant-sized Starscream ever came out in Japan. Uh, huh, I don't know. No? Because uh, North America didn't really get the regular size Starscream. Yeah, just we got, got it as, like, part of decos. a set Yeah, we later. got a deco in the, like a multi-pack. Yeah. yeah. Or it was like a uh, storage club exclusive or something like BJ's, I think. Or uh, I think it pack. was Toys R Us. Oh, really? Right. As always, the wiki knows all. Sees all. Uh, toys and boy, he had a lot of toys. Yeah. <laughs> Who was right? Who was right? Okay, let's see. Toys R Us 2-pack with Vector Prime. Ah. Yes, uh, Toys R Us. It was me. I just have this vague memory, vague but strangely specific memory of seeing that at Toys R Us. Uh, but there was, there was the- a... Legends there was a Sam's Club exclusive multi-pack with Starscream in Energon. Aha! Oh, Energon. And it was of his Armada toy in a very nice color scheme, which I remember this randomly showed up in a Canadian Walmart. I got one. Oh. Nice. Right, so anyway, so yeah, that is uh, Cybertron, and uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about the toy line a little here. The Everything had a unifying gimmick of having Cyber Planet keys which were little plastic keys that you pushed into a, a slot and they flipped out a weapon or something. In the U.S. release, they all had uh, little codes on the back, which you could plug into a website to get an extra little bit of bio information. And those were uh, actually awesome. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is that a, has the bit about Scattershot being like a game designer or something. Yes. And, the- and yeah, they were really they were really cute. Little, you know, yeah, little bio bits of story bits. and and bits um, like some design, like toy design art and stuff. But it uh, it makes it a lot of fun when you're going through and sorting this stuff to sell to then have to make sure that you're pairing all oh, the, the right, right keys. Oh yeah, right toy. There is that. The nightmare. Thank you, Forrest Lee, for the entertaining writing. Yeah. <laughs> They have a container full of cyber keys on their own. I yeah, I find them behind Every- bookshelves and in the bottoms of drawers, and yeah. It's curious <laughs> how they seem to be included with the deco budget for each toy. So yeah, the trim on them that's clearly supposed to be painted sometimes is and sometimes isn't. Yes. Vector Prime had the coolest one because his actually had uh like two pieces, so there was like a, a piece, Oh yeah, it was translucent, and then there was a, a piece underneath it that was textured, and it, it looks very nice. He mm. has a unique one. Yeah, and, God, the deco in the Japanese version of him is so much better. Yeah. He's a really cool toy, though. He, he is. is. Yeah. The Optimus is really cool, are... too. He comes with like a matrix key. And I guess we could uh, talk, uh, now I guess we'll see for the next episode on how this affected later uh, series of Transformers. Hmm. Or, when we'll do the Unicron Trilogy wrap-up. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, as we just want to jabber about toys for a bit more. Oh, there's, I love these toys. There's there, so many good toys out of here, even if yeah. the Cyber Planet key gimmick was kind of underwhelming in that it was mini-cons if they were just cheap pieces of, single pieces of static plastic yeah. rather than mini toys. The gimmick mm-hmm. itself is, isn't much more, you're replacing a key with what could just be a button or, or a mini-con, but, but. And in some cases, where they did replace a button or a minicon with the key mechanism. <laughs> well, yes, they yes. did remove some things, but I, I think out of the three Unicron trilogies, I think this has the best toys. Not counting its lack of minicons or limited number of minicons. There are a lot of neat and a lot of stuff that uh, Hasbro produced outside the show. Like a lot of the uh, a lot of the basic guys are really. Oh neat. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, the little. Dinosaur Repugnus thingy, or wait, oh wait, was he? That there? one, that one was on the show. Oh yeah, it was Recluse. Yes, but there's Armor Hide, Autobot Comedian. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh he's yeah. such a good toy too. Oh, oh, yes. he's the, the little truck. Oh, he's one of the best toys ever. And oh, and uh, short round. Is his chest popping open to reveal a surface-to-air missile emplacement. Yes. <laughs> short round as a hovercraft thingy isn't like the best toy, but his. Character bio is probably the best since he's a Transformers fan who collects toys. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I, I also love boats, so I really like him. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't get and that. And then the, the Autobot characters that kind of didn't get much attention but had more stuff going on earlier in the series: Hotshot, Red Alert, and uh, Scattershot. Scattershot. They get two bodies, and both of them are really good for all of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, because they get upgraded from cars and whatever. Scattershot's a little thing, and he becomes a Voyager missile carrier. Yeah, he was basically yeah. a basic class one initially, and he's a great little toy, but then, yeah, he gets a big upgrade. And it's awesome, because I just have always had a small, uh, a small, a soft spot for, like, the nerd character. And he was the nerd character. The, the southern nerd character, voiced by uh, Inuyasha. <laughs> yes. Oh. I I love the uh, one that eventually got the hotshot toy that eventually, or sorry, red alert toy that eventually got turned into cannonball. Oh yeah. I love how the legs on him work. Yes. The uh, he's like kind of like a Dodge Magnum. Yep. Yeah. Well, he pretty much is a Dodge Magnum, but like the front half of his car and the back half of his ho- car become his legs by folding together. It's yes. one of the weirdest transformation schemes, but it works so well. So satisfying. And then later they made him into Cannonball, the Transformers pirate who is, he has a bunch of like Oingo Boingo skeletons uh, tampoed on him, and he looks amazing. Yeah, and he's basically the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yes. So good. Yeah, I, I love that Hotshot's second body is just Armed to the teeth. <laughs> yes. So many missiles. <laughs> yes. That's, that uh, Club Springer that he got turned into is pretty rad, too. It is. Yeah. Oh, and there's a Downshift, who's like a 70s uh, muscle car. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. I love that they took the uh, character that was Wheeljack, but for some reason we can't use the name Wheeljack, and did a new version of him that is clearly... That previous character without being Wheeljack. Yes. He's still got kind of the Wheeljack head, but he's also like a, a sweet green 70s muscle car. Yes. And I mean, yeah, I love a lot of the stuff you can get super cheap on eBay, and I would recommend it. Oh, yes. yes. Which is yeah, great where place. I got half of them. Because I didn't get back into Transformers collecting, because, well, we'll mention that next episode, but I started like at the end of the Cybertron line, and so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. I also love how he was one of the few where, like, his uh, Cyber Planet key slot could fold down and just be flush with the toy instead of sticking out. Yes. Such a cool detail. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah. Optimus so, Head could have a lion for an arm. Yes. Oh, and so could Megatron. You know, just a lion for an, an arm. an eagle lion for an arm. <laughs> yeah, a Redeco <laughs> lion for an arm. Evil lion. And out of the Unicron trilogy primes, I think this is my favorite, although it's, he's transforms into a sorta fire truck into this massive anime 
Gundam-y thing with wings. Yeah, he's very Gundam. I, I, boy, you know, I think he might be my least favorite, uh, Unicron Trilogy Prime. I mean, he's not bad or anything. He's just, I mean, he's okay. I, mean, I like the faceplate gimmick. Yeah, I do like that. It's nice. very Optimus Primal. I, I like, I like that one more than I like the, uh, Energon one. I really like that Energon one. It's so dumb, but I really like you it. You like Fatimus Prime? <laughs> I do. I like that he can have like a drill hand. As an idea, it works, but his his main body's kind of weird. And Armada Prime just has so well. His basic form of the Armada Prime is probably the best, but his combined form is the worst because there's no articulation. Mm Mhm. Yeah. Because his pants are all automated. He's got automated pants, which is a neat idea, but doesn't work. And and if it battery system dies, it's annoying. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm not crazy about the Megatron, either. Of this, I, yeah, don't, he, I don't have the Megatron I, of this series, so... He's kind of not really, like, anything, sort of. I mean, he turns into a... He's a triple changer. He turns into a sort of race car and a sort of jet. And, I mean, he looks neat enough, but, I don't know, he doesn't... doesn't never grab me. Yeah, I know. His robot he, modes look so He's weirdly okay, Unicron-inspired well, in yeah. his first deco, and... Shoulders. Well, rather yeah, he looks straight up has Unicron arms. Yeah. Yes, he's wearing bits of the corpse of Unicron, literally <laughs> in canon. Ha. Huh. I think the Galvatron deco works a lot better at coming across as Megatron, but then that's yeah. not mm-hmm. named Megatron, so. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, his original color is too busy because he's got orange and green and purples and everything, all the colors. I mean, I do appreciate that they can do something different with Megatron. Whereas Optimus Prime is kind of always some manner of truck. I really like his head, though. His head design is I do like his head. It's truck, not monkey. He has prowl horns that are larger than his head. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, it it may not be as nice as Energon Megatron with the giant pincers, but few things are. I really like Armada Megatron. I think that's just, I don't know. Armada. Yeah, that, that, that thing, that thing is a, like a proof of concept for the Minicon gimmick. It's great. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and then also he could have the, uh, all the way of one deluxes had like a secret mode where he could fold them up and shove them into his backpack <laughs> as weapon emplacements. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, that is, uh, that is Cybertron for you. You know, it's, it's an okay show. It's a, it's a lot of fun for a toy line, but it was clearly time for Hasbro to, to move on. And there was something on the horizon. I'm, I'm trying. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I said, are, are they moving on to the planet of Cybertron? Uh, they, in fact, are moving away from the planet of Cybertron. Oh! As something was coming that would make Cybertron much less important to Transformers going forward. Dun, dun, dun. What, what could this mysterious thing be? Well, we will be discussing more of it in our next episode in which we wrap up the Unicron Trilogy... Talk about the 2007 Transformers theatrical movie and introduce you to our next ongoing series, Transformers Animated. But until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, uh, we are on Facebook, and we are on Tumblr. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where you can find us and our new, our weekly news show, Icon Underground Radio. Uh, we have a Patreon set up to help us cover hosting and other expenses. Uh, that is at patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. Uh, I, for one, just bought some audio equipment that... <laughs> <laughs> that could stand uh, some some assistance, but uh, yeah. And you can uh, also find us on both iTunes and on Google Play. And uh, while you're there, rate and review us. And if you'd like to tell us directly what you think of the Unicron trilogy or anything Transformers related, then please write into the Max Mailbag, uh, which you can reach at stasispodcast at gmail dot com. So, until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Goodbye, anime. I'm...
Overhaul, um, the basic that turns into Wolverine. I oh, need okay. And then that turns into his cousin, evil botanist Wolverine. Oh, Brush yes. Guard. <laughs> Brush Guard might be my very favorite concept of any character in Cybertruck. He's a botanist robot from another An planet. evil botanist. Yeah. Evil botanist. Although I, I also called Brush Guard. I, uh, I also like... I also liked Hardtop, who was the Transformer sniper who also collects comic books. Oh, yeah. oh I loved him. <laughs> Great little toy, too. Yeah. Oh, oh there's so many good, good little basics inside. Well, Brushguard, Leo, but his toy is kind of fiddly. It's a great idea, but doesn't entirely work. And we, we didn't get to talk about how Velocitron was shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, such well, a good we concept. can talk about that in the next one. Yeah. Right, because we're going to be talking about how the colony worlds have been the one thing of that that really moved forward. Yeah. Okay. I gotta medicate my weasel. Oh, I should have got my Cybertron toys out. I only have a few in here. Yeah, I've just got my... I'm just, I got this uh, six shot a uh, couple days ago, and I've been fiddling with him. Ooh. I need to move some more toys into the office. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> I have an office now. I need to go. Uh, what was shit. it about around this time dune buggy toys being so good? Yeah. Oh, I do have an armor hide in here. Yay. Well, this black ridiculous. Oh, you have so much dust on you, little, um, I forget what your name even was. Who's he? What's the, which guy is he? Uh, the black armor hide from, uh, the movie Toy Line. I think that might have just been armor hide again. Oh. Yeah. Such a boring name. But he's so cute. <laughs>